in for surgery and during surgery is when I experienced the stroke and they didn't initially know that it was a stroke that had happened. I know that I came out of surgery with paralysis in my right side and they, I think, came to the conclusion that it was most likely due to having a seizure during surgery. I definitely had the support of my family and my loved ones and, and a therapist close by. So I had support in that way. As far as the hospital goes, from after the diagnosis and the realization that it had been a stroke, I did start physical therapy in the hospital. So going to certain appointments in certain areas that would begin the, the rehabilitation aspect of it. I got transferred then to a full-time rehabilitation facility and I was there for four months. And so that had a very, very well-rounded support as far as physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech therapy. So there were lots of, lots of supports and lots of rehabilitation options there. It definitely opened up and made it more of a opportunity and journey and path into kind of spiritual connections and things that I could connect with and did feel drawn to at that time that in that way became stronger post-stroke than maybe before the stroke. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Yoga is one way of incorporating additional exercise into your recovery regime. It can be adapted to any skill level and works on some of the fundamentals of stroke recovery, which are balance, movement, strength, and concentration. In this episode, we hear from Ashley Voth from Winnipeg, who suffered a stroke at the age of 26. Life before my stroke was very just going with the flow and very average, just in pretty average jobs. And I always loved spending time outdoors. So I was doing various things outdoors as far as walking, hiking, biking, going to the beach, going camping, being with animals and just carrying on one day at a time. It started with seizures. I was having absence seizures, and that took a little bit to find a diagnosis for. And through that process, it was lots of tests and lots of appointments and lots of different experiences. But with the, with the diagnosis that it was seizures, then from there... There was also the need to go a little bit deeper and find out what kind of started those seizures at my age. And with that, then they found a brain tumor. And initially, they came to the conclusion that the brain tumor was non-cancerous. And then the surgery kind of became elective. So just as a possible way to relieve the seizures, I chose to go for the surgery. But there was a little bit of a delay in that as well, to wait for a new surgical suite to become available that would have MRI scans within the surgical suite. And so it was almost a year before that was available and the surgery date was set. And then I went in for surgery and 
And during surgery is when I experienced the stroke. They didn't initially know that it was a stroke that had happened. I know that I came out of surgery with paralysis in my right side. And they, I think, came to the conclusion that it was most likely due to having a seizure during surgery. When I hadn't regained movement by the next morning, then that's when I went for scans. They came to the conclusion then that it had been uh, a stroke during surgery. I definitely had the support of my family and my loved ones and, and a therapist close by. So I had support in that way. As far as the hospital goes, from after the diagnosis and the realization that it had been a stroke, I did start physical therapy in the hospital. So going to certain appointments in certain areas that would begin the, the rehabilitation aspect of it. And then I was in the hospital for a few days before I got transferred then to a full-time rehabilitation facility. And I was there for four months. And so that had a very, very well-rounded support as far as physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech therapy. So there were lots of, lots of supports and lots of rehabilitation options there. I think that it was a little bit in all areas of the body, mind, and soul. I know that in the physical body, it was right side paralysis. So I couldn't move the, the right leg, the right hand, the right arm. There was a lot of sagging in my face on the right side. And coordination, balance, all the kind of finer things that come with it as well. And then cognitively... Memory was affected. Finding words was was one thing that I noticed. Definitely speech and feeling fatigue. You know, I, and that could have been a multiple things: the stroke as well as going through brain surgery. But I definitely, you know, felt cognitive fatigue a lot sooner after the stroke. And then emotionally too, I think that it took a big hit. And I think that's still something that is one of the aspects of stroke that is a consistent, a consistent journey and takes consistent effort. We definitely have a before and after and a before to compare ourselves to. And that's one thing that I definitely struggled with was feeling just significantly affected and very different than that before the stroke person. And it's a challenge to to not let your thoughts go to that a lot. It's just the life that you used to live and the, the mobility that you used to have and the abilities that you used to have. So that was one area that was also affected. But then with that, I think that spiritually, it definitely opened up and made it more of a opportunity and journey and path into kind of spiritual connections and things that I could connect with and did feel drawn to at that time that in that way became stronger post-stroke than maybe before the stroke. Following her stroke, Ashley was greatly affected by fatigue. I'll go right back from the beginning to when I was still in the rehabilitation center. There would be awake for maybe six hours, eight hours during the day. And by the end of the day, I, I was finding it very challenging to carry on a conversation. And even within carrying on a conversation, it's 
uh, finding it challenging to follow what the other person is saying. It's finding it challenging to process what the other person is saying. And then also finding it challenging to think of a response and formulate a response. And then staying alert. So for me too, it's kind of like there when we think of fatigue and we think of tired within the physical body, I did notice that in a way, but it was almost a reflection of my mental fatigue. So if I felt there was a lot of fatigue in, you know, cognitive function and mental and clarity wise, then I would notice that my physical body would kind of reflect that. And even to this day, that is one thing that probably comes up for me that still lingers is that when I'm when I'm tired, when I'm feeling that fatigue, then I still have a little bit of a toe drag. So it's kind of like the outward expression of, of the state of my cognitive function and my mind and that mental fatigue. And that carried through, I, I think, there too. It's kind of tough post-stroke to gauge your limits because we come into it from that pre-stroke life, that those pre-stroke days. And... And we're feeling like, okay, I can go this far, I can go this long, I can do this much. But then we come to the post-stroke days and it's like, well, how much can I do before I'm tired? What are my limits? What are the boundaries? And that's going to also vary each day. So finding those limits and finding that line of where the rest needs to come in. So that fluctuates and you have to kind of have a just a gentle sense of curiosity through that stroke recovery. And for me, I noticed that, that as I go through each day, depending on how much physical activity was involved, depending on how much socializing was involved, depending on how many like decisions I need to make that would all affect where that cognitive uh, functioning was at and where that mental fatigue was at and where the limit was. So that mental fatigue might show up as, you know, needing to sit down and just not engage in conversation, not engage in like even listening to say a, a, a story, a, a show, anything that involves that attention so it shows up in various ways. And most times I would say I noticed it in conversation that I was just not able to provide the feedback or stay engaged or have that, that dialogue that was, that was both ways. I clearly remember that one time and this was, I think over a year post stroke, but one time I was with a friend and this person was showing me something like technological and it was nice, but I couldn't think of a way to respond. And I was so tired and all I said in response was, that's cute. <laughs> and we laughed about it because it just wasn't exactly fitting. But that was definitely a time that that cognitive fatigue and that mental fatigue was there. Coming up, Ashley talks about the progress she's made in her recovery. There is ebb and flow. There's days that are definitely harder than the others and days that are, are more wonderful than the others. I'm very appreciative of this, the community that I am in and the opportunities that that experience has given me. I think so many survivors can relate to feeling a sense of a sense of loneliness through that experience because the sense of self changes so much and what we knew as ourselves is now gone. 
So it's a very challenging time. And sometimes just having someone there to be present and be in that space with you is very valuable, definitely. Let's hear how Ashley has begun working as a yoga tutor. I think that to some extent, the stroke has, has led me to the work that I do, the path that I'm on, definitely. And, and that's, been, that's been a process. So right now, I am leading yoga classes and mindfulness and meditation with fellow stroke survivors. And that's either directly through the platforms that we have these days with online and virtual or in-person even, or that is also providing that service to businesses and organizations that then can provide that resource to their members or their clients. And what got me here was definitely the first few days and the first few moments of of my recovery. I was a yoga practitioner. I got into practicing yoga before the stroke. And it was definitely something that I felt gave me strength and and just kept kept me kind of stable in the mind in you know, in that transition period, in that phase of having the question marks, you know, waiting for my surgery and waiting for answers and and really not knowing what was next. When the stroke hit and I was really unfamiliar with strokes at that time, I was one of the people that thought they only happened to elderly people and I didn't understand kind of what my future looked like and what, what was the potential and what recovery could look like. So I thought that I would never do yoga again. And when one of my recovery rehabilitation therapists heard that, they definitely wanted to prove me wrong. So we started some yoga classes there. And I loved it. I just loved how how adaptable it could be, how accessible it could be, and how it came to meet me where I was at. And so I continued to practice in recovery in the facility as well as at home. And that went one day at a time. And the more I practiced, the more kind of inner peace I found with that just amidst the the struggles. And then it was a small steps, you know, finding finding that position that I could feel comfortable in a group class once again. And then I even said in one of my appointments with my neurosurgeon, he asked what I what I wanted to do in the future. And I just said, I would love to teach yoga. And at that point when I said it, it was more of like a like a a dream, like if only I could do this. And he said, absolutely, you can. And then I kind of had that in my back pocket and had that as as an inspiration and a motivation. And then from there, I, I did just continue to be involved in yoga and, and became more involved and more driven and went to study in India for the yoga teacher training. And then from there, just coming to, you know, over the the past number of years, coming to this place where it feels like a comfortable curiosity about helping other survivors who are in that similar position of feeling that uncertainty and going through that experience. And also being able to find that practice, that stillness that can meet them where they're at. 
Ashley feels like she's in a good place with her recovery. I feel content and I feel it is a bit of a balance. I think there's always ebb and flow through the days, through the months, through the years. And as we get further on through the recovery, now I just passed the eight-year milestone and those anniversaries are always a time for reflection. What they say with hindsight being twenty twenty, and when you look back and realize what each milestone has been, what has all been achieved. For me, I know I have recognized that through recovery, I've stayed focused a lot of the time on what is left to to improve on, like what still hasn't had that effort or, or been changed or what is still a little bit behind. But also with those anniversaries, recognizing what has all been achieved and the steps that have been been made and what has been gained. And that's not even just what movement has been gained and what has come back. And that isn't just regaining what was lost. That's making steps and making achievements and advancements in positions that maybe wouldn't even have been done pre-stroke. So without this opportunity, we aren't given that that opportunity for the realizations and the the maturity and the emotional skills and the mental skills that have been gained, the resilience and the strength and that warrior quality of going through this experience. So like I said, there is ebb and flow. There's days that are definitely harder than the others. And days that are, are more wonderful than the others. I'm very appreciative of this, the community that I am in and the opportunities that that experience has given me. And she believes stroke survivors should always take time to rest as well as work on their therapy. With the medical field and the, the resources and family, there is a lot of support and a lot of people around survivors that they're wanting to help and their intentions are wonderful, but it ends up feeling like the, they might just be surrounded by you know, things that have to be done, things that have to be improved upon, things that need to get better, and, and just what to do, what should be done. And and kind of like, go, go, go. It's, it's recovery time. Let's go. In a lot of my appointments, too, I was noticing like, you know, time is of the essence, right? If you don't use it, you, you lose it. And it felt sometimes it felt heavy and felt stressful just to just to be there. I mean, the experience itself is challenging, traumatic, and then having that color of influence in the majority of interactions can be challenging. So my advice then would be to allow yourself to rest. So allowing that pause. And sometimes that's even an internal challenge with thinking of all the things that need to get done, regardless of how much time it takes or how it feels, what it looks like, but giving your space, your yourself that space to pause and to rest and come to that space of comfort and open to that foundation that it might bring to the other things that are waiting. They will always still be there. And as far as advice for loved ones and support and caregivers, I think just being there and being present is incredible. And it doesn't necessarily matter what you are doing or 
if you are doing it right or what is being said or that the right thing needs to be said. I think that in a lot of situations, we put too much pressure on if the right thing is being said and what should be said and and how that conversation might go. But just being present is so significant through a recovery. I think so many survivors can relate to feeling a sense of a sense of loneliness through that experience because the sense of self changes so much and what we knew as ourselves is now gone. So it's a very challenging time and sometimes just having someone there to be present and be in that space with you is very valuable, definitely. Ashley's stroke has sent her on a new path in life and one that's not only helped her during the physical and emotional recovery from stroke, but is also helping other survivors do the same. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. I felt like somebody had smashed me over the head with something. I can't describe the unbearable pain and I just started projectile vomiting and I was screaming. Thank you for listening to Stroke Stories. Please do recommend the podcast to friends who you think it might help. And if you can, rate and comment on the episodes to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, we'd love to hear from you. Our DMs are always open on Twitter or Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.